A Podcast One production. Hi, I'm Nat Kringudis. And I'm Cecilia Ramsdale. Welcome to The Wellness Collective, a podcast where we invite you to be part of our wellness community to share, learn and live better. We are so excited to be back with Series 2 of the Wellness Collective Podcast. Here we are. Have you had a holiday? We know you've been binging on us because that's what you do with a season, don't you? You binge 26 episodes. Uh, Did I have a holiday? Uh, No, but I know you have had a sunny holiday on the beaches of Hawaii. It's been warm. And can I tell you what that does for one soul? Mm -hmm. I still worked, actually, the Mm. whole time. I know But it was just a change in office. Yeah. But I don't care because sitting by the pool (laughs) and come three o'clock when I'm sipping on a beverage. Pina colada? Yeah. No. I I actually took a real liking to margaritas. (laughs) (laughs) When in Hawaii. What's what's the one you're supposed to drink in Hawaii? Mm. A Mai Tai? Yeah, a Mai Tai. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, My husband got addicted to those. I know, they're very bad. It's delicious. But that's holiday holiday, uh, etiquette. Exactly, and now we're back. And now we're back to normal. Oh, well. Normal living. Um, Yeah, it is exciting. We're here for season two. And season two, do you know what? They've told us we can do as many as we want. I know, we're just going to keep on going. So, so what we need is we need people to tell us guests of mm-hmm. who they'd like us to feature. And also, once you've got one season under your belt, then maybe lucky guests get a little bit like, take I it a little more seriously, I feel. I think so. So, yeah, look, we got some amazing guests in Series mm. 1, though, and today is no exception. No. But before we get to our special guest, who is very special, hey, um, I just wanted to say... What what were you doing when you were away? Did you have any books? What's been, you know, floating your boat? Because oh, it's this good. time of year where you sort of go, it's a bit grim in Australia, especially in the lower, lower cities, more southern cities, I should say, <laughs> not lower. I'm not very good with my geography. Um, well, besides getting ready to launch this next book, yeah. in between that I decided to launch a small book on Amazon, ah. co-authored with Dr. Sean Tassone, all about contraception. So that's what I've been doing. Oh, see, I was talking about what you've been reading, but you don't have oh. time to read because you've been writing. Your I've books. been writing that. That actually is released. It'll be available as of now. Mm. Um, but reading, I'm actually reading a book at the moment called Oh, it's um, it's Energy Vampire. How to, I can't think of what it's called. <laughs> it's basically about how to recognise people that are energy robbers of your life and, and vampires. Yeah, they're called energy vampires. Yeah, right. <laughs> Okay. I'll look up what the actual name of. The I like that. That one sounds really good. But yes, and can I also tell tell you that I found audiobooks for the first time and ah, what the heck have I been missing out on all have. of my life? It's no different to a podcast. You sit there, you listen, you learn. Yep. It's great. I've been listening to one actually by Edward de Bono on how to have a beautiful mind. Oh. But it's, <laughs> it makes me giggle a little and I'm not sure if that's actually supposed to be the effect. But it talks to you about how to have conversations with people and how to, oh, wow. you know, listen and, and respond and, yes. and not to argue and, right. you know, where people are coming from when they're wow. in their own logic bubble and yes. stuff. Yes. Quite interesting. interesting. Yeah. I have the name of my book now because I just looked it up. Yeah, go Dodging on. Energy Vampires, and it's by Dr. Christine Northrup. I'm and write it that is one down. excellent. Dodging. Okay, just one other thing, too. I've been watching Glow on Netflix. Oh, I don't know what that is. Oh, you have to watch it. It no. is about an <laughs> all women's wrestling um, TV show in really? the 80s. Really? So it'll I think change your life. Thing. Maybe we should commit to every episode now coming on. <laughs> what are you reading and what are you watching? Because it's like, yeah. and what do you listen? What's your favourite song at the moment? And then we're like giving people not only advice, but something else to go and like check mm, out. Of course. And you know what else we're going to do? I just threw oh, this at you before the show. We're going to have a Wellness Collective Spotify playlist. I know you love that. So if you uh, want to add a song to it, 
Yeah, let us know. Let us know. Okay, I'm going to start that and I will uh, let you know what the <laughs> details are very soon. <laughs> All right, now, before we've gotten back together. We have missed each other. Yes. It's been a few weeks yes. with you in Hawaii, whatever. Um, so, without further ado, let's jump into today's episode. Hi, I'm Ellie Angel Mobs. I'm a radio announcer at 104.1 Today FM in Sydney and an ambassador for Endometriosis Australia. That's right. So you might actually know her voice. But apart from being a, a famous person on the radio, Ellie, you have a different role to play. And that's why you've come to join us in the Wellness Collective today. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. Yes, we're going to be talking all things uteruses. Ooh, <laughs> what a fabulous my, topic. Every day yeah. is all about the uterus. <laughs> right. <laughs> Makes Nat grin very widely when she gets to talk about well, uteruses. Well, you know, it's my thing. <laughs> You're in a good spot. Yeah. So tell us, what is this new role that you have um, found yourself in recently? So I'm an ambassador for Endometriosis Australia. Now, this is a big charity group um, run by a whole bunch of volunteers that have gotten together um, to raise awareness and money as well for endometriosis. So I'm not sure if you guys are aware of what it actually is. Tell us. You can tell us. Yeah, We've talked exactly. about it a lot, but tell us anyway. Well, it is one of those words, though, that you hear and then you sort of feel like, oh, maybe I should know what it is, but I feel a bit silly asking. So let's go back to basics. Okay. Well, this is the official doctor's terms. Mm. Endometriosis is present when the tissue that is similar to the lining of the uterus, the womb, occurs outside the layer and causes pain and or infertility. So it's when basically your uterus sheds outside of the uterus wall Mm. and it causes all sorts of pain. And it can latch on to any kind of organ in your body. So for me, I've got stage four endometriosis. So that is the worst that you can have. It it goes in stages. So stage one, two, three, and four, um, and they're graded depending on the severity of your disease. So yes, I'm blessed to have the worst one. That's not, that's so unfortunate. So many women that I see in the clinic are in the same position. I think what's important to understand is that the tissue actually behaves like Mm. your uterus. So you bleed and it's got nowhere to go. So, you know, it can cause scarring and this is why it contributes to infertility and it can migrate. It can go as far as the nose. So I've seen women that have had it in their nose, in their diaphragm. Um, It can be really, really epic and it's, Mm. it's debilitating, so debilitating for so many women. So let's go through the stages then. You're at stage four. Does that mean you went through one, two, and three and then finally got there? Has it been a a gradual, um, I I hate the word journey, but that's what I'm going to (laughs) say. Yes, it was a long journey. Um, So because of the length it took to be diagnosed with this condition, so it took over eight years to be officially diagnosed Mm. with it. That's pretty common too, isn't it, that people... Absolutely. Yeah, the stats are like, uh, I think it's seven to ten years that it takes for an official diagnosis. And... Um, I think that, yeah, probably started off as stage one. That's a question I probably can't answer, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, stage one, and then it would progressively get worse because you're just leaving it there and it's slowly growing away. It's kind of like, I like to describe it as spider webs coming from outside of your uterus and taking oh. over your body. Mm. So for me, I had it not only um, in my uterus and attacking my uterus quite severely, but it also had latched onto my appendix and killed my appendix totally. Um, It was starting to attack my kidneys and it has severely attacked my bowel as well. So um, it's funny that you mentioned someone has it in their nose. I've got a friend who's got it on her brain. Wow. wow. And they don't know how to get rid of it. She's constantly having migraines and for some reason the tissue from her uterus has gone all the way up to her brain. And then I've got another friend who's got it all through her lungs. So Mm. every single day she's in so much pain that she actually has to go into hospital once a week to go and get the painkillers, you know, injected into her. It's just horrible. 
So is it the kind of thing that it's um, because it's the same sort of tissue as when as menstrual tissue? So endometrial, yes. Yes, thank mm-hmm. you. So when you have your period, does it also shed inside your body? That's so it's why, all connected correct. to the same yeah. thing? So the but, pain is worse around periods? Well, yeah, but you can have pain at any time. This mm. is what Ellie's saying is that some of her friends and colleagues yeah, have pain all the time, all the time. Mm-hmm. and it's different for everybody and yes you're right you do move through stages and I just want to add to what you said about the duration of diagnosis this is something that women have been talking about for a long time and not been taken seriously and if a woman is administered to hospital she waits on average my understanding is 16 minutes longer for pain relief mm. than what a male does because we're not taken seriously when we're in pain and women have been talking about this for a really long time and it, this is why Ali's saying that she did wait seven years because we're yeah. not we're considered as being whingers, complainers, that there's always something wrong, you know, and we're not. This is the, the opposite. Example. I Absolutely. think women are, on, on average, better at withstanding pain than men. So it's kind of funny, isn't it, that it's, that's it's actually, the statistic? It's actually crazy and, and, you know, this is why that the government have actually put out a formal apology as well as created this um, action plan, so to speak, um, to actually get diagnosis earlier Mm. so that women aren't having to progress to stage four. Mm. Um, And then there's a lot of gaps for me that need to be filled in. And I mean, I treat endometriosis all the time in the clinic, um, but there's a lot of gaps in between um, complementary and day-to-day lifestyle. um, And then by the time we get to stage four. So, you know, this is where I feel like there's a big piece of the, I think the progress is excellent. I think that we're creating awareness. I think that's amazing. Mm. But I think there's so much more that, that still needs to be added. And when I heard about this, first of all, I have to say when I did the uh, did an interview for um, the news the other day, I did roll my eyes because I was like, oh, I hope this is in the right vein. But yep. I think it actually is. It's creating awareness yep. and therefore that's so important. I think that's the starting point, unfortunately, but we've waited a long time for it. So tell us, Ellie, what's it been like for you over those seven plus years living with this condition and now getting to the point where, well, you're being taken seriously about it? So at first, so I got my period when I was 16 and I remember at the time, probably because of what I got taught at school, I was in an extreme amount of pain and I was missing school and I was asking mum for Panadol constantly and just couldn't move some days. And you just thought that that was the norm. And I played representative hockey at the time as well and I was missing out on games and uh, mum actually sat me down like probably six months after my period started and she said, look, um, I've had, she actually had endometriosis. So she told me mm. her story. Um, and there is a strong link hereditary. So she had it, um, both of her sisters. So my aunties had it. And there was already that kind of awareness because she had it. And she's also a, a nurse and she's very smart. She's, you know, delivered babies and done all of that stuff. Thank goodness so, for mum. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was very blessed to have her with me, but still, so she was like trying to get me into fertility doctors and gynecologists at a really young age. And she would come in with me and like have to be there going, no, endometriosis, <laughs> trust me, it's a thing and just getting really frustrated. And we did scans. And unfortunately, when I first started getting the scans, nothing was showing up on ultrasounds because they didn't have the technology which they do nowadays, like the fancy Ford D technology. Mm. Um, so they would look at a scan and go, well, nothing's showing up as, you know, it looks totally fine. So we're not going to do anything about it. And my blood test would be normal. And then you just start thinking, oh, okay, maybe it's all in my head. Maybe I'm crazy and that there's nothing actually wrong with me. Mm. Um, and it wasn't until you know, I was, oh, I'd say 
the very point that I knew something was extremely wrong and it was, I had to call my husband to take me to the hospital, um, I was about 26 and I physically could not get out of bed and I had this really bad stabbing pain on my right-hand side, round about where my ovary was, and I was throwing up because I was in so much pain and nauseous and I've called him and said, you need to take me to hospital right now and, and then... I was supposed to be on air at the radio station and I've texted my boss and said, I can't be on air at midday, I'm really sorry. And the boss has gone, well, you need to get to work, I don't care kind of thing. And then, you know, 15 minutes later, hubby's taken me into the emergency department at RPA and um, they're on standby to have my appendix taken out because the appendix mm. had been strangled and then they um, they got me in to see one of the leading gynaecologists there and, and he did a laparoscopy. So that's the, the surgery that they do to officially label you with someone with endometriosis and yeah they discovered that I had stage four. Mm. Wow and there you are just keep on keeping on (laughs) throughout all of that for such a long time. Yeah and even after that it it came back Um, the endometriosis it kept growing back so I had four surgeries post that it was really aggressive towards my bowel so I was uh, you know seeing a colorectal surgeon which are words that you think only belong in Mm -hmm. you know I'm like a 28 year old girl sitting in a waiting room with all these old men who yeah yeah so that was a real eye opener um but probably in the past 12 months, I've felt the best I ever had. Oh, fantastic. Oh, which is really, really good. Do you know and what? I'm, I'm one of the lucky ones. I'm excited and just, you know, chance plug. But my book talk, is all yeah. for young women and, you know, um, prompting them to, to seek diagnosis and get a solution or at least mm. a, a, an answer. Well, I guess um, it's about knowing what's normal. Well, this is the and thing too. And not abnormal. Correct. Mm. And, you know, it goes through all of that. So I'm excited to be able to contribute to that, I think, and change it from a young age, not change it when mm. we're, you know, in our 30s and it, we're in debilitating pain and circumstances. I would love to know what you've done in the last 12 months. If you're saying that in the last 12 months it's been much better, mm-hmm. is there anything else that you've added? Is there different things that you're doing that have, you think are contributing to that? Exercise, massive thing. And I'm not someone who ever loved running or jogging, but now I've gotten into fun runs. I do it because I get a medal at the end. <laughs> but even that motivation of being able just to get out and and I, normally I just walk. Mm-hmm. But just getting moving I found has really, really helped, not only for the physical pain but for the mental pain as well because I was suffering with quite bad anxiety mm. um, from just, you know, dealing with this chronic illness for so long. Um, the other thing is too is diet and I've just, I'm really strict with what I eat and I love acupuncture. Okay. Yes, you not do. Raise it more. I think that Thank I, you, I would like to. Jelly. Am I right? I would like to talk about this a little more. Um, we do need to take a short break, and we'll be back in a second to talk more about. Let's just say acupuncture. Mm. No. <laughs> Maybe some other things. Welcome back. This is the Wellness Collective podcast. In this episode, we are talking endometriosis. Now, it kind of feels like we've waited a long time to get to this actual topic, but it, all the stars aligned. The stars aligned. Because yes. you were in Hawaii. I have been. I, uh, sunning yourself on the beach, yep. I got in touch with uh, our friend Ellie, who is on the other end of the line there. It's lovely. <laughs> and um, and here we are, we're talking about it because it's quite topical at the moment. Now, Ellie, you've been sharing your personal experience with us and you just touched on acupuncture before the break and um, Nat threw her hands in the air and got very excited. So you better tell us. Well, um, I just, I think that you were talking about the lifestyle changes that you've made and I think this is, is such an important piece because it's not what you do at your doctor's office. It's not even what you do, um, you can't do anything other than lie there when you're having surgery. No. But it's actually what you do in the day-to-day that when 
learning makes the biggest difference. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's that's the important piece because you're not in your doctor's office every day. And like, you know, I am heartbroken when women come in and I've had women come in and say, this will be my eighth surgery. And I'll say, okay, it's time to do something different because your current circumstances are either taking or contributing or not contributing. So how can we work out what those pieces might be? And mm. you've just mentioned diet and that's one piece of the puzzle, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's probably the easiest place to start and the most control that you have and exercise. Um, but there, you know, there can be so many little contributing factors, your environment, we've spoken with environment. Mm mental experts before about things like mould and even Mm -hmm. just, um, I'm reading this fabulous book at the moment um, by Dr. Christine Northrup and it's all about um, the emotional piece and people in your life that might actually be driving your illness. Yeah, it's just fascinating. So we're, you know, and and autoimmune conditions. Now Mm. endometriosis is now considered an autoimmune condition like everything else. But I think doing that though makes it um, uh, more real, I think. Do you know what I mean? Like classifying Mm it as an autoimmune oh, disease absolutely. means that all of a sudden it's it's given a bit more absolutely, kudos, And we also and know fantastic. a little bit more of how to deal with it from this lifestyle perspective. So, you know, the inflammation and the pain, if we can start to, yes, okay, you have a laparoscopy, but if you just go back to doing what you're always doing, you're going to find yourself in that same position mm-hmm. eventually. And look, even by changing your diet and your lifestyle, and you're, you're slowing that down. You can't change your genes, but your epigenetics, everything else around that is what we need to change. So, so what does the acupuncture do? What did it do for you, Ellie? Just made me feel nice and calm, and as far as I'm aware, it helped unblock all of my energy mm, levels. Yes, <laughs> you probably know, you know the, what? the better terminology for it. Yeah, totally. <laughs> acupuncture works on so many levels. There's a lot of research now, finally going into acupuncture, just like endometriosis. We're we're mad for research these days, Aren't but there's we? lots of things. There's lots of ways it's believed to work. It's believed that, or it's it's been proven that um, it does intercept the messages to the brain. So it changes in terms of pain. It's great for pain management. Mm-hmm. It increases blood and nutrient flow. So in terms of recovering and treating things, um, it helps to from an energetic perspective, we believe in Chinese medicine, it, 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 like Ali said, it breaks up stagnant areas. Mm-hmm. So if that's where it's presenting for you, it can be really useful in helping to break up. And it may not ever, well, it depends on the patient, how, you know, how mm. effective that is. But, um, and then in Chinese medicine, we believe um, that every organ has a meridian or channel and it helps. It's a bit like, I explain it as corridors with doors and you're basically opening and closing different doors to have an impact on those organs. So, mm. you know, there's lots of things that it does. Mm. Um, but I know there's great success. Every protocol I now read when it comes to successful treatment of an autoimmune condition, every single one always brings up acupuncture. acupuncture. Yeah. Mm. Or some type of body therapy, massage, acupuncture, yes. whatever your jam is. It doesn't have to necessarily be acupuncture. Um, if you are so scared of it and you loathe having it, that's going to be ineffective. But <laughs> most people that actually, once you get them on the table, they actually love it and they really oh, just I'm chill out. to it. It's great. Oh, there's something about the feeling of getting the needle and it doesn't hurt. No. It's just like, it's it's almost pleasurable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have a trick that I cover. I have a, um, I always make sure that the electric blanket's on and I cover people so they just totally have no, it's like the seat warmer oh, they're idea. Warm, yeah. They're warm and they just zen out. Like, yes, they've got needles in them and that helps too. But yeah. I'm really, um, I am excited to talk about that because it is a big piece and, and it, 
it does bring a lot of help for a lot of people. Yep. Mm. Yeah. Hey, Ellie, are you a seat warmer in the car, girl, or not? Absolutely. Oh, 100%. me too. I don't like I mean, it. being a girl from Canberra as well, when you, you're, it's minus seven and you're sitting on a leather seat, mm-hmm. you need the seat warmer. Oh, I'd and love the help, seat warmer. And it's helpful with pain mm. if you're in pain too. And you've got to keep down there warm anyway. Yes. This is true. Mm. This is true. Although it does sometimes feel like maybe you've just done a bit of a wee in your pants when so it gets a bit warm. <laughs> hey, um... Now, there's been quite a few um, high-profile women that have come forward to talk about having endometriosis and living with it. Emma Wiggle is one of mm. the latest ones, which, you know, I just think for all the mums out there that have watched Emma so much have just probably gone, oh, thank goodness, how wonderful yeah. that oh, she's, creating you know, awareness. And also she works in a male-dominated mm. group, so it must have been really difficult for her, I, I imagine, to come forward and say, look, mm. I'm dealing with this. Well, she's actually one of the ambassadors alongside with me at Endometriosis Australia. And when um, the wonderful Donna who runs the organisation called me and said, look, Emma Wiggle is about to announce that she's having endometriosis surgery, I just thought, okay, this is massive because it's going to create so much talk, so much awareness. And you're right, Sess, for mums with young daughters, it's going to start that conversation nice and early, which is Mm. what we need to do. And I caught up with her um, last week and she had her surgery just over 12 weeks ago and she had stage four as well. She was very, very, very sick. Um, And she's still, you know, recovering from having that major surgery, but she's back at work and she's just an inspiration. Treading the boards. (laughs) She is amazing. She's so good. She's amazing. Um, The other one too who has come out recently is Emily Seabom, the Olympic swimmer. Oh, yeah. And she actually had her endo extremely bad when she was competing at the Rio Olympics and she went on to win medals. And then two weeks later, she was on the operating table. Mm. And she's pushed through early morning starts in extreme amount of pain and just goes to show that, you know, we we are indestructible as women. I reckon. I know. <laughs> totally. Going back to the idea that we get less pain attention and stuff, look at what we can endure. Mm. It's incredible. Mm. Um, one of the things, though, that um, Lena Dunham, the American... Um, Actress. Yeah, and writer. Writer. Um, who created Girls. Go get if, you, mm. if you're not She's a familiar. Go-getter. She's <laughs> amazing. She um, recently quite publicly talked about the fact that she had a chose to have a hysterectomy at 31 mm because she had suffered from endometriosis for such a long time. But I, I read her piece about it. This idea of having a hysterectomy, it doesn't fix the problem though, does it? So it's really an interesting thing with the surgeries. And, and um, I was having a look at some research and some Facebook pages where there was lots of women discussing what they'd been through and mm. plenty of them had gone through surgery. Mm. Mm-hmm. I just wonder what the thinking is about surgery. Well, It's funny you mention it because when I had my very first surgery, they said you've got stage four and in a couple of years you'll have to have a hysterectomy. There's no doubt about it. Your uterus is, you know, I'm going to be lucky to be able to have a child basically. Mm. Um, So to hear that when you're in a new relationship, Mm. um, it's like go and have a baby right now. My mum, she had a hysterectomy six months after I was born. So she had me, my brother, and then it was like, okay, as soon as you're feeling up for it, we've got to take your uterus out. And... There was, a, you know, um, back when she was younger, they seemed to think that that was the cure. Mm. But a hysterectomy is not a cure for endometriosis. No, not Because at all. you've still got the hormones all through your body. And some people will only have their uterus taken away, but they'll keep the ovaries so that will keep things... Keep the hormones. And you kind of need that for other reasons. Like taking the ovaries has mm. other long-term Menopause. consequences. Mm. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and beyond because your ovaries actually take over a different role once you've gone through menopause. So that's why we, they're encouraged 
to leave them there if there is a hysterectomy. But I think this is a very important conversation to have. You're removing evidence of the problem. You're not fixing the problem. And, mm-hmm. you know, we love the idea of healing. We, we're addicted to the cure. <laughs> and this is a good conversation to have because if you, this is your genes, you can't cure your genes. Your genes are your genes. You need to actually position yourself. I say we're like human Petri dishes and the environment can be changed to influence what grows. So, you know, just like a science experiment, you put it in the incubator, something different grows to if you leave it on the window ledge or whatever that might be. I think yep. that's a good example of how we need to look at this. Um, and like I say to patients all the time, if you're just taking away the evidence, it's not going to change. So it is really good to have these conversations. And I think that this is, like I said, this is where the awareness is coming through. It's the things that you're doing and changing that are really having the most amount of impact. And of course, you know, no one needs to suffer in silence anymore mm, either. And no. I think that's the biggest mm. piece of this is to, the more we talk about it, the more awareness. And it, the, the triggers for everyone are going to be different. Yeah, that's I think the hard that's part. The big thing too, and sometimes isn't it? getting someone, and you know, you need a team around you when it comes to supporting somebody um, with with any condition, um, but especially something that's so debilitating. I think having the right people, the right doctors, you know, the right healthcare professionals, and finding your I call it your cheer squad. So you need those right people partners. that are so excited for you, <laughs> or even partners. But I can speak to this. I was that girl when I was younger, and I think the difference is that I. I started studying Chinese medicine at a point where I made some pretty big lifestyle changes, um, but I was the same person on the bathroom floor vomiting, passing out in pain. This was me as an 18 or 16 to 19-year-old. Really? Year so old. you had it? Well, it was never diagnosed, but I know now as a health professional, there's nothing else that's going to cause that to happen. Yeah. I was, it was debilitating, like so debilitating. Um, and I, I, I wasn't, and this is part of the reason why I wrote this latest book, I didn't care about the endometriosis. I didn't know to care about it, and it's 20 years ago, so it's mm. very different conversation. I just wanted to change how I looked. I was, you know, I was eating terribly. I was overweight. I didn't exercise, all the things we've been talking about. Um, and one day I was I was sick of feeling gross. So I changed all of that and everything started to improve. I was nine, 20 maybe at the time. So it's very different. The longer that something's left mm. unaddressed, um, I was probably lucky that I did that. Um, and I still know that if I don't um, live you know, a certain way that I do have pain. So Mm. I think it can, you know, our bodies are constantly, there's ebbs and flows of everything. And so Mm. I think that this is what we've got to try and... And hormones. And hormones. Really. Yeah. They pack a punch, don't they? Well, <laughs> they can be really good if we use, work yeah. out how to use them to our advantage. I think like, w- even this morning I woke up and I reckon every bone and ligament and mm. muscle in my body ached this yeah. morning and I just thought, I don't know why. Yeah. Just going to get up. I did yoga and I felt oh, great. Good. So, good for me. Yoga is another great one to do. Mm. Excellent. Now, before we let you go, you have to tell us what this big announcement by the government was because you were involved with lobbying the Australian government to... Um, shine a light on endo and, and you managed it. So hooray with Yay. the thanks to <laughs> Emma Wiggle. So what, what actually did they announce? So the National Action Plan for Endometriosis was revealed. So a bit of a backstory. Um, there are several organisations for endometriosis within Australia, including Endometriosis Australia. There's one called Endo Active that Syl Freeman champions. There's some um, in each individual state. So all of these um, charities and support groups got together and formed um, a, company, uh, a, a group called ACE um, and it's the Australian Coalition for Endometriosis. Cool. I think off the top of my I head. I like it. So mm-hmm. they got together and kind of they've been trying to get into parliament for a very long time. And my mum, God bless her, she wrote a letter to 
MP Gay Brotman in Canberra and invited her along to the endometriosis high tea in March of last year. And this was an event that was going to be hosted by me. All the money goes to Endo Australia. And Gay came along. She was so touched by all the stories that we had. She said, right, on Monday, I'm going to go into Parliament and we're going to push for endometriosis to get into the big house, to get in front of Big Mao. And so she championed it. She got together um, a whole bunch of other politicians, including Nola Marino, whose daughter has endo. There's uh, Nicole Booth. And they were able to get the attention of the health minister, Greg Hunt. And um, Mr Hunt launched last year that this this national election plan was coming out. And, yeah, last week I got to go along to the official launch. So it is absolutely massive. They've given over 47 million dollars to endometriosis awareness and education clinical management and care and research so to go from something which has had no <laughs> talk at all and a lot of eye rolling having 4.7 million dollars to be able to create some talk is absolutely massive mm, and i think one of the big things that that i heard from his announcement was the awareness for like employers and mm. friends and you know, even health professionals to some degree. My mum is a sufferer as well. And when I told her that we were going to be talking about this today, she said, oh gosh, the amount of times I went into a doctor and they'd just roll their eyes when mm-hmm. I'd say, I've, I've got endometriosis. Oh, here we go, she'd say. Mm. I'd so, one doctor ask how to spell it. Oh my oh. goodness. Are you kidding? <laughs> so, so I hope aw- they're not practising anymore. <laughs> this is, I just get it, so it, Well, awareness is the thing and it's it doesn't take very long, I think, with certain mm. aspects of awareness mm. to just be become normal. Like look at the the plastic bags in supermarkets, for instance. Mm. That's happened like in a matter of months that people go, Mm. oh, okay, we won't take those anymore. Mm. I think the brilliant thing is as well is that um, Minister Hunt, he is so open to it and I've spoken to him several times and every single time I've managed to break down in tears in front of him. (laughs) But that's what my experience with endometriosis has been like and he's just really supportive and thankful that he's able to do something for the one in ten women in Australia that are going through this every single day. And it's just, it's so exciting. It really is very exciting. Obviously, this podcast, there's going to be lots of links that will be on my website Mm -hmm. that you can check out to linking all the things that we've spoken about because I think that's really important. Um, But, yeah, I guess we are out of time. We do want to really thank you for taking the time to speak to us today, Ellie. It's been so great and it's obviously going to continue to to create more awareness and, yeah, it's really, it's such an amazing you know, you representing um, the women who are suffering from this, I think is, is really great as well. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, guys. And if you do want any more information, if you're listening going, oh, maybe this could be me, mm. endometriosisaustralia.org.au, a fantastic source to go to for all your info. Yay, Excellent. great work. I absolutely love this episode, Cecilia. It's obviously... The- I- Totally up my alley. And there was a lot of throwing your hands in the air. There was, if only you could have seen me. But yep. it's really good. I think that we, common sense and logic, mm-hmm. which is always my favourite, and medicine come together. And mm-hmm. I think that's where, for any illness, not just endometriosis, that's actually where the gems lie. So that's where the future lies, surely. I think so. Yeah. Totally. Absolutely. Not that I'm a futurist, but maybe I... Maybe there's something I could get into. Hey, you know, this episode came around so quickly because we really mm. wanted to get Ellie 
you know, it was yes. very timely. We did promise to read some reviews and we didn't really get enough time to pull that together because literally jumped off a plane and came into the studio. <laughs> so we promise we're going to reveal some of our favourite. Yes. Because um, I think that's really lovely that, you know, we love the reviews that everybody leaves for us and the more the merrier, really. So mm-hmm. we will do that, we promise, over the next coming episodes. That's right. And if you want to get in touch with us, please do. We love hearing from you. You can go to natkringudis.com or you can go to my website now, ceciliaramsdalevoice.com. Love it. Until next time, though, we hope this episode has left you feeling a little happier, healthier, and better. Yes. <laughs>